Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy, here we are again. Big Dave, you know, every time you hit that record button and it says this meeting is being recorded and that little pop-up screen pops, I always wonder what you'd do if I hit leave meeting instead of continue. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> would you I, take it solo or would you, t- or did you say, wait, come back, Tom, come back to the screen? No, man, I'd run without you. You know, I I would I would. That's a team player right there. You the, know, show I, the show ben, must go on. The show must go on. Ben Muscolino, our guest today, and I. I have so much to talk to Ben about that I'd be fine, Tom. Go ahead. You know what, Tom? Hit the button. Hit the button, Tom. I'll be texting gonna, him immediately to get back on. I'm, I'm going to hit the text. What, the start button. I'm going to hit the start button on this conversation because Ben Muscolino has a great place in my heart, man. When I come to ASA meetings. Ben is usually the first person that sees me and runs out of the crowd and goes, Tom, yeah. it's so exciting to see you, man. Huge, superhuman hugs and just great laughs and great commentary. But then what I really love is this little story I have to introduce Ben. So when I met Ben, he obviously was uh, at, at, at a Vectra net forum mm-hmm. and when they were selling the Vectra product and net forum. And so we go to this dinner at an, at an AUDC meeting, which was their user conference. And at that point in time, Ben was just a sales guy trying to sell AMS stuff. Barely. I was a sales guy in like the small market division. Yeah. Right, right. He was like coming up the chain. And so he asked me to sit across from these two potential customers and just engage the conversation because they call me the closer when I do business with people. Because that's <laughs> what I do for my customers. And so we so we were having this conversation and everything goes great that night. So, but but that fast forward to a number of years later, Ben is then the so uh, he's the entrepreneur who is on the stage sponsoring the final night at an AUDC users conference for a Vectra. And that's such an incredible story to know that the guy, I, I stood on stage with him for a few moments and congratulated him that night, ran up on stage and said, man, this, this is so, I'm so proud of you from going from being the small market sales guy to being the entrepreneur who now is sponsoring the last night event at the same conference. That is yeah. such an incredible success story. So Ben, I'm so proud of you, man. I appreciate our friendship through all that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Tom, you've always been good to the to the vendors that have been good to you. I appreciate that. And a little known fact, I actually got fired from Avectra after my first year, and then I got rehired and promoted four times before I left. Why to go did they? Start. Why did they fire you? You know, it was really interesting, actually. So Netform, it was like the heyday for Netform Pro, and when I started, they were just filling a hole for somebody else that they had fired, and I had. I'll never forget this. I had North and South Dakota, Delaware, uh, and Iowa. That was my markets. They had geographic territories, and those were my markets. And I actually closed more deals in my first year, more actual logos than anybody else, except think about the state society of something in Delaware. It's got like three staff or two staff. And so I couldn't close any big deals. So monetarily, I was one of the lowest earners, and they were like, Ben's out of here. And then Delorso that weekend heard I had gotten fired. And um, that's Craig Deloroso, right? Yeah. And he goes, Hey, man, because I played on the softball team with him and he'd see me around the office. And Larissa and everybody used to call me the mayor because I would just run around high fiving everybody all the time. And uh, he said, Look, man, I want to hire you back and we're going to show you how the big dogs do it over here. And so you just, you're going to come in, you're going to work side by side with Dirk and Howard and you know and craig peak and some of these other people and like we're going to show you how this business is is really run 
with big associations and how this how this business really helps like transform these associations. And I had already accepted another job because I called in favors because I was broken in debt. And I was like, oh, God, I got fired again. Um, and so, yeah, again? And, and I took I ended up taking the job back and it has cemented, you know, what I learned there cemented a lot of relationships in the path of having me fall completely in love with the association market to the point where I, I'm never going to leave. So when, when Ben, you've infested the association market, which I, <laughs> and I say that with love, you, you, there's very few people I know that had that know as many people as you do in the space. So if I'm, if I'm talking to you at, at a ASAE conference or wherever, some, or even at a, um, Community Brands Experience is now what they're calling it. The mm -hmm. AUDC is now Experience. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I'm standing there talking to you, we can't go very deep in conversation because every single person that walks by hits you on the back and they're like, Ben Musk. I mean, you're, you're like the party boy. You're the playboy of the association space. <laughs> if, if the Instagram was, was, if there was a Kim Kardashian of of the association world you would be her it's wow. too bad i have a face i know podcast. right tom it's too bad that. i have a facebook podcast though you know otherwise i'd really be an influencer on on, on social media i guess right so ben, and that that really was an underhanded compliment actually it was it was uh you you're you've got this um uh, contagious smile you got you just got a, a a personality that people love to be around and so kudos for that but, but i want but dave i wonder if kanye west is looking at kimmy going you know what baby i've seen him around you remind me a whole lot of your personality of ben muscolino <laughs> I, I i just i that's a metaphor gone way too far but so let me let me ask you this though so your way out dave All so right. tell me you know i know you got you've got like ams geek mm -hmm. you you're the ceo uh a hired ceo of breezio mm -hmm. um a, a, a funded a community platform we're going to spend a lot of our time talking about communities today and right because there's a lot to talk about actually it's it's not a new innovative concept it was a decade ago or a little further when higher logic kind of when they showed us all what community was when we didn't even know right when, yeah. right when rob and andy and mark came in and and they i think it was like 2008 and they mm -hmm. they put listservs to bed right that's when the community um their their competitor was the listserv and so they did a great job of that but so we're going to get into this industry that higher logic paved and what Breezio and 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 Mobilize and Tradewing and uh, and all these other platforms that Higher Logic bought, like they bought Socius and Vanilla, mm -hmm. and you know, like th there's a lot of players out there. So I want to talk about how the community has evolved. But before we do that, what are all these other things you're involved in? AMS Geek. There's more. I yeah. There's so more. I've got a holding company called Association Wire LLC, and under that we've got um, a, a handful of registered DBAs. Uh, we've got AMS Geek, uh, which is consulting, custom development, project management. We do some light selections, um, stuff that maybe isn't like a fit for the Ellipsis and Delcors and West and some of those folks in the market that we'd normally recommend. Um, but we do a lot of consulting, like AMS Consulting. We've got literally AMS Geeks like wall to wall in that company. And then under association where we've got AMS Geek, we've got AMSJobs.com, which is a job board. And the long story short on that is I felt like 
Um, there needed to be a bigger emphasis on, especially around technology, organizing the technology talent in this market to keep that talent in this market, right? And so, you know, matching things like the systems experience and programming languages and roles and things like that. So it's not just a generic job where we're organizing tech talent. And then we're actually launching and the brand launch hasn't happened yet, but I'll just mention it here. Um, we're launching a company called Data Sangria, which is a middleware and iPass for the association market. Uh, we already have about 40 customers on that, but that is really just a byproduct of being profitable at AMS Geek and then deciding why are we rebuilding customers like custom integrations over and over and over again. So we're lowering the barrier of entry and, and making integrations faster, easier, giving customers back more control um, to their integrations. So that's a lot of fun. Um, so those are really the, I have one more, but there's a, those are really the association focused ones under association wire. The, the fun thing for me is when I was asked to take over as CEO of Brizio, I'd been doing some consulting with them and I loved what they were doing. Um, I, their former CEO, our, our former CEO was phenomenal at um, getting the product uniqueness where it needed to be to have us really stand out in the market. I think it was Karen, um, if I remember. Yeah, Karen, Karen right. McCord. She did. She was such a great brand, you know, steward. Um, and, you know, everybody really liked and respected her. She wasn't from the space though. She came from biotech, which is where the product was really born. It was born in scientific research and publishing. And it now that we've really, through my efforts, figured out how to really position it and grow it quickly in the association market, um, it brings its uniqueness from that market to where we have more powerful content publishing tools and hosted video and collaboration within content, not just around it. So it's really cool. We're, you know, just over two years in that and we've, you know, um, we're up 400% on customers, we're up 200% on uh, revenue and um, it's really been a ton of fun and we're trying to flatten. So you flatten cut, things. cut your price in half? Is that what, no, we didn't cut our price enough. We started going after. It's a really good question. I appreciate that's the the uh, the entrepreneur. That's the math having, I'm doing. I was having. I, was I know real, you. I was a real you, academic. As yeah, they right. Say. Not and to it. mention the fact that you've made successful exits, so you've looked at too many of these things. Um, but <laughs> it was uh, no, not we, an ap academic, by the way. That was. Just <laughs> I know. Math. I don't even know if it was right. <laughs> so no, we started going after different ends of the market and different types of customers, um, and in fact, we you know, I've flipped the revenue from about 25 to 30% recurring revenue and 70% services um, and doing a lot of custom work and going after different types of customers to now we're at about 70% SaaS, 70% subscription, um, while still growing that rev top line revenue, um, but, uh, but doing it with different kinds of revenue now and, you know, thinning out instead of having a couple of customers that are, you know, massive six figure customers. We got a lot of customers that are, you know, eight, 10, 12, 16, 30, 40, $50,000 a year, rather than, you know, just trying to target a few that are um, high, you know, I don't want to say high maintenance in a bad way, but like require a lot of services. We wanted to put some guardrails around the product and make sure that it was easier to implement, easier to manage for customers and say no to some customizations so customers could have a good uh, product experience. It was a hard learning curve because I didn't want to get rid of, I didn't want to say no to some of that revenue business. I have a big question on and that, and that frame. So yeah. I'm always interested. So two, I remember being going to an essay conference in 2007 for one purpose. I wanted to search for community because mm -hmm. it, was, it was out. I heard about Higher Logic, uh, Sterling Raphael, who was a name from the past with uh, yeah, NFI. That's right. Yeah, and, and that and that's ultimately what we bought into, and it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. 
Um, member but, fuse, right? Member fuse. Yeah, that's right. Member fuse. Yeah. So, so fast forward, you know, 14 years, I'm interested in today, today as you're bringing on new customers, how many of them you're converting from another community or are they never been in a community and you're now in, jumping them in? I'm, I'm, I'm always wondering how we've come along in 14 it's years. It's a really fun question, actually, uh, because we're, so I would say probably, uh, I guess I haven't looked at the, that specific metric in maybe a couple of months, but last time I looked at it, I mean, it was over 50% of our customers that we were taking from another community and rolling on to, to Brizio. Um, and there's a multitude of really good platforms out there that people are getting rid of. Either they fall short on functionality or different functionality, or they're more expensive, whatever it might be, why people make switches, you know, relationship with vendors sometimes, I mean, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because Higher Logic did such an incredible job of saying, hey, I know you guys like know what a listserv is, or at least a lot of you do, but this is what a real community should look like. They paved the way. Thank God, because I don't have the tens of millions of dollars in marketing and educating the market that they had uh, and that they spent over the years. So right. thank you to them for that. But um, yeah, I mean, there's still a portion of the market and it's the last couple of years, Tom, during COVID has been a fun one because we do get customers coming to us now or prospects, I should say. And they're like, hey, uh, we've been talking about community for eight years over here and we never did it. And now we've canceled two annual conferences. Right. We're doing virtual conferences or we're doing limited conferences. And it's interesting because um, people, I mean, it's 2021. So this was going to happen either way, but COVID right. was like the, the nudge over the edge where it doesn't matter if you're- It, it, magna it magnified the, the weakness in the communication strategy, which was no virtual element. Well, not only that, there's this expectation. Think about how gangbusters, you know, Amazon went right. and Walmart and all these places. It's like, oh, wait, I don't have to leave my house. I can get it shipped right to my door. Zoom. Well, yeah, Zoom. That. Oh, my God. Right. Zoom fatigue is like a real thing. Right. Um, but it's like people are coming and they're saying, look, the decision's been made that we don't even know how much our members are going to use this. But the expectation is there that we have a community for members, whether they use it or not. And I've heard it so many times now that, uh, oh, you know, we had a community and we turned it off and then our members revolted and said, how dare you take away our online community? Um but they weren't using it, right? And so they implemented it again. And then the members came back and they said, we're not going to let you do that again. We're going to start using the online community. And so it's been really interesting uh, to see people. I mean, it's turned into a necessity in the tech stack for associations because of the natural level of connectivity that, that, that needs to be there for a good member experience um, in virtually every association these days, I think. So Dave, I'd like to jump into a question to kind of start this off in communities from the basic form of people probably listening to this going, well, we're still one of those that doesn't have a community. So Ben, you've been around communities for 15 years like me and Dave. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective of working in the implementations and connectivity of that, what's the why? Why should associations be thinking about, I don't have a community, we're still just going to live meetings and they may or may not have a listserv. Why should they make that step and look at putting the investment in a community? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's multifaceted. Like there are some groups that will come and say, look, we want a workspace. Like we power, you know, some really big, you know, legal associations that you'll never see it as a member unless you're on a committee because all they do is run governance committees for them. And that's mm -hmm. what they use our platform for. Um, and then sometimes they'll have a, a, an, you know, an open forum for members, which is just kind of one discussion forum within their one community within the portal. Um, and then they don't have special interest groups and all these different things. 
the reality is we need to provide members a place to connect. And so it's a member benefit. Um, I think you've, you know, ASAE's put out several, you know, studies over the years and uh, something that continues to be a recurring theme is that one of the top value propositions that people get from ASAE is networking and the in the virtual community that they have. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a member benefit. Not every member is going to use it. Having off the charts adoption, um, you know, expectations is, you know, you shouldn't have that, but it should be provided for the members that want to use it. And all it's going to do is cement them in. It's like having two systems that don't talk to each other in your AMS tech stack. They're more easily replaced if they're not talking to each other. You're always thinking, what's the inefficiency between these systems? Well, let's not create inefficiency between the ability to connect with members. At the same time, Tom, the, the value is shifted over time, right? And I could, like I could, when I say it's multifaceted, there's a lot of different approaches. But one of the things that I'm most passionate about right now is during COVID, we had uh, customers come to us and say, hey, uh, we don't know if we can do this, but can we create an open community that's open to the public mm -hmm. for us to share information about what's happening as it relates to our industry around COVID and what associations have generally seen. And I think that this is just this is a nod to to the to the association market as a whole. Prior to COVID, you could get information on any topic anywhere. I have right. over 1700 domain names. I could put a uh, I could put a WordPress website up on every one of them tomorrow and just spew garbage and a lot of people would believe it. And all of a sudden, the integrity of the source of the content became a little more important. When things right. started to really matter around our, our economies of our families and our health and all these things, all of a sudden, it's .gov, which we could argue that's a whole different segment. Like, how, do we, how much do we trust that, right? But, right. Um, but you know, the .orgs, like the .orgs and the, the, and the, the institutions and in academia, like being able to go to certain sources. And so one of the things that associations have done poorly, I think, for a long time is they're like, join and you'll get access to all this cool stuff. But how do they know how cool it is if you're not showing a little leg, right? Right. And they're like, all of our value is behind a member wall. Like, why? Why are we not showing a little more leg, right? If you're worried that they don't want to become a member because they got all the value from your website, then you're not putting the line in the right place. But be intentional about where you put that line. Where's the member login line on your website? Where do you have all of your communities private? Well, certainly your board of directors, your committees, all those should be hidden in private. You're, you don't see them if you're not on them. And then you have member-only groups. But what about non-member groups? So we had groups that, that we had customers come to us and say, let's stand up a group called a COVID-19 group. Let's tell everybody in our market that's on Facebook and everywhere else and do press releases and say, hey, come. Um, APPA did a great job of this. They're in the education market. They they basically said, look, you still need to create a profile in our AMS, right. but you don't have to pay and join as a member. You create a profile, cough up some information to us. We will give you access to this group online where we're sharing information and it costs you nothing, but yet they get some data and some knowledge about these people. Then you start to analyze that data and you say, how many of these non-members are engaged and how engaged? And then boom, you've got this top tier of non-members 
right? That are wildly engaged. What do you do? Right. You pass that to your development team or your membership team. And you say, why aren't these people members? They're like super engaged in our online community. Let's convert these people and get them the rest of the value that we offer. And so this idea of like virtual conferences and webinars generating so much more data than we had before is incredible. And people aren't looking at the tools they already have like community and seeing how can we leverage this to put people in a pipeline and start to grow rather than worry about the revenue from our, you know, event that we didn't get last year. So well, two, it's two, really exciting. Two takeaways that I preach about what you just said is one thing. And associations owned information back up until about the day, until the day they had, you got mail. AOL came out, the internet exploded and we lost it. But what they now own in a large sense, because of all the misinformation, like you've said, is we, we own the interpretation in a credible fashion of the, of the information. That's where associations are missing the boat is they need to be more affirmative that, look, if you want the interpretation of what's going to be meaningful to your company or to your industry or your field, that's where you come to us for. The second thing is, like you said, if you keep it all behind the wall, then what happens is, is, is prospects don't know what they don't know. Right. The moment you release some information out there and now they know what they don't know, that's when their hearts really open to joining the association. So, you know, for our association, we constantly are pushing out all of our live webcasts every single month are, are, are they're free to everybody on our front page and our YouTube channel. Cause we want people to hear the types of things that we're doing that are exciting for the industry. So eventually they get, you know what? I want to get into that monthly sales program, which you have to pay for. I want to get into the training, which you have to pay for. So I agree. Those are the two huge things I think that, that you have, that communities can do. It can drive authority to information, the interpretation of it, and it can because you're doing conversation, but it can also slightly give out some very important stuff so members, non-members know what they're missing by not being a member. Well, and I think listening is a big key to it too. Like we talk a lot about let's meet our members where they are, right? And it's it's easier said than done. And then you've got survey platforms, you've got continuous listening platforms, you've got the prop fuels of the world, if you will, right? And it's not just about members. It's about like listening to, because at a certain point, your members will tell you what their value is, right? That they get from it. And it's different for different groups, which will allow you to then segment and prospect better. Right. So right. the more you listen to your customers, the better you're going to be at winning new customers. I mean, that's just business, right? And associations are a business in every possible way. Um, that I can think of except for their tax status. And so I think that it, it, there's been some tremendous opportunities and data and people talking. Um, and if no one's listening, I mean, community provides a tremendous opportunity for right. talking as well. I know that Dave's actually done some, uh, a lot of prop fuel work, you know, around community. We've even talked about it before. So, and I know he's working with some of our, our competitors. So, there's this idea that there was a big boom in something and figure out what it is for your business during COVID and then start to listen. For me, I live in a space where I dedicate almost all of my time to Breezio. And then thankfully I have really smart people running the portfolio of businesses over at Association Wire. So I, but I preach the strategies. Like one of the things that I do that probably not a lot of you know, community CEOs do is I'm on the phone with customers every single month saying, hey, I saw this other customer, these five other customers last month do this. And it was really cool. Let me show you what that looks like. And like, do you think you'd want to do that? And they'd say, yeah, we didn't even think about that. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to post something in the community. I'm going to tag in our user community. I'm going to tag the two of you and you guys could trade information on it. And it's like people, 
it's if we're if we're listening, um, like my lead developer has that famous quote on his team's uh, status. It says like the biggest I forget the exact quote, but it's the biggest communication mistake is listening to respond instead of to understand. And this is the time to listen and understand so that you can act. You're resp- you respond with action, not with we hear you. You know, it's like cool, do something about it, right? So, Dave, I got a question. I got a Dave. I got a question for you, Dave. That kind of gives a big reason as to why communities are so important these days. So, sitting in your home, especially because you work in a home office, sitting in a home office and going through the daily grind every day of you know work, the challenges, the employee issues that are surrounding all that, and you know just trying to be product productive with less people to do a lot of work. What's the one thing that you can feel on a daily basis in that world by yourself? Who are you talking to? Uh, you, you said Dave. An, Dave. Dave is an owner. When you're sitting there and you got all these things just grappling down on you, the daily grind of business, what's the one thing you can on occasions feel like? I, I, I feel like you're feeding me something and I may not be eating it here. You, I, you, you're you're you, cooking you, something, but I, I can't smell it. You, yeah, you mean, can have a tendency to feel alone because you are alone in your operation. He but did. You're not he, he wanted the answer. You, <laughs> right, you were, right. That was rhetorical, wasn't it, your question? It, it was. It I was, feel alone sometimes, Tom. I, well, <laughs> actually, to be honest, Tom, I don't feel alone. I, but, I rarely but, but, feel alone here in my office because of the digital connection. Connectivity. And what we're doing right here. I mean, Zoom alone has done a nice job of making me feel very unalone. And, and but to your point, go ahead. I, I know where you're going so, with this, and I agree with so, you. So Zoom is good, but not every owner has the, has the time to get on a Zoom call for a, a half an hour, an hour with someone. But what I do have the time for is say, you know what? I can't find that MSDS form for the chemicals in my plant. I wonder if somebody out in the space has it. And they go to the community, post it out. I've had this literally happen. They spent six hours a day before looking for it, put it in the community. Within 10 minutes, yeah. two people sent the MSDS form back to them, the answer. So that, that's what I say. When we talk to our members, we say, you know what? In your business, when you're a member, you're never, ever alone. Your hands are tied to 370 other CEOs and founders of companies that you can tap into that knowledge instantaneously. And all of a sudden, they're like, I can do that. I'm like, yeah, in two clicks, you can post. And the next day, I promise you, you'll have answers back because everybody has a heart to help someone else in our industry. But that's what I was getting to because it can in this world of virtuality. Is that another word, Dave? Virtuality? It is now. So virtuality, it's very easy to feel alone because you're not at, you're not connected all the time, like walking in a room of people and, and being in an office structure. That's alonization. So, the, you know, you know, what's funny is um, you, you, right now we have three of the, the, the people in the association space that like to talk more than anyone else. And here we are trying to record a short podcast. I swear to God, the sun's going to go down and we're still going to be talking here. Ben, I have a very simple question, I think. I'm sure it's not going to be a simple answer, but uh, generally speaking, and I know I know this is the, the answer is going to be it depends, right? But generally speaking, what kind of engagement what, what, what level of participation should an association expect to have in their community? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's sort of all over the map and I'll answer it, but it's funny because it's so subjective. It's subjective on the types of members that you have. It's subjective on the type of membership that they have, right? To a certain extent, you might have a trade association that the two people that matter for membership are there and they're engaged and they're talking in a you know business officers group or something like that. Um, and yet, 
they might have 50 people under that association that receive benefits or in the community and none of them are ever going to log in. Right. And so um, generally speaking, you want like, you know, an over, when you talk about it's well, and you want to measure it based on like, did they log in? Because there's a lot of lurkers that get value out of community and yet don't like participate. Yeah, there's a lot of metrics here. Break it down for me. So, so let's just say it's a professional association with 20,000 members. Let's make the numbers easy with 10,000 members. You know, it's closer to mm-hmm. it's easier. Yeah, to if you get, if you get 5,000 people to log in, you know, in the previous 12 months, like 50% adoption of actually like accessing the community. Wouldn't that be off the charts? Awesome. Yeah. Be, yeah. yeah that, that'd be yeah, great. Like that I've like never heard of that people... kind of engagement in a, in a community. Like I was expecting more like six to 10%. But that's right. So that's the top end of the scale. And I've seen more than that, but it's usually for smaller associations. So you talk about professional society that has 3000 members. You, sometimes you get 2000 of those people involved because it's a very close knit type of community, but that's the exception, right? Getting 70%, you know, adoption. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking at 20, 30% is still high, still on the high end sometimes. And it's usually the 4% of your membership that are getting the most value out of the community and that are the most engaged. Okay. So 4% that- is, is what you're seeing typically is like engaged in a community that and yeah. I'm not surprised by that. That's a, that seems like a reasonable, well, and I think 20, it's higher and it's unreasonable to me. And it's I think if it's higher than 4%, but that, that 4% is the most, they're the ones getting the most value out of it is really what I meant. Cause you might have 15%, which is good. You know, they log, like, log in, they've claimed their profile, they've put up a headshot, they're going to log in a few times a year, not contribute, they're going to log in once a week, not contribute, see what's going on. The cool thing that people don't really recognize about the value people get out of community is notifications, which is actually yeah, trigger, uh, something that triggers the, the somebody to log in. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm a big, uh, I'm where everyone in my company is a member of ASAE and uh uh, we participate in collaborate their community mm-hmm. and, and you're so in a bunch every, of groups every morning. That's one of the first things I do. I sit with my coffee mm-hmm. and I, I scan the, the, what they, each one of those is called a community. I, I like the word group better, but yeah. within the community, but each one of these is like unique communities within the mm-hmm. community. And so I scan them. And if there's something of interest, I'll make a comment. I'd say once a week, I'm commenting on something. Most of the time I'm reading stuff. Um, but what gets me to do that are the notifications. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, like, so when we started our when we started our community with member fuse, we got over sixty percent of our members to log in in the first ninety days. And we what did are you that. using now, Tom? Are you using Breezio we're, we're, or no? We're, we're using Higher Logic. Yeah. And, and we made it a big deal. So we said we we told our membership before we launched before our spring meeting. We're like, look, if you log in and you upload a picture and update your profile, we're going to put your name in a drawing. We made a big deal about it. We're going to put your name in a drawing that went up to $100,000. And what we did was we chose five people and cho- at the meeting and then chose one person to then pick, pick out of an envelope with a chance to win $100,000, or $100,000. Let me tell you something. The week of the event, I had people going, hey, I just logged in and did my stuff. Did I get in? And I'm like, yeah. So it at least got them through the, through the door. Um, uh, one of the things I think, Ben, that we have to look at, because this has one of been one of my mantras for communities, is there's two types of communities, expectation-wise. Most people, most associations invest the money thinking they're going to be a Starbucks 
people are going to run to it. They're going to have their coffee. They're going to talk all day. And other people, the right point, though, the right expectation is that your community is a public library. When someone needs something, they log in, they go in, they post, they download, and they walk out, and they wait for someone on the post or download back. And that's when they go back in. So I say that for everybody listening or ever seeing this, that when you start having the discussions, don't ever sell it as it's going to be the Starbucks. We're going to develop an online public library where people can connect the information, people, resources, and stuff, and do that. And I think when you have that right expectation, you actually have the right, because, I mean, and plus, another level of engagement that not a lot of associations that I talk to, you may see, you may see differently, is they think the only engagement is the people that connect and actually talk about discussion posts. Well, we took it a step further, and we have a, we have a staff community that our staff talk together. Mm-hmm. We have a, a community for every one of our, our entire membership approval process is done in a community in, in higher logic, oh, the wow. entire process. We have, a, we have a community for our board. So we do business association business uh, within communities and stuff. To, to, so it's like a communication uh, yes. employee for us, as opposed to just saying our open forum is our only community. And because members aren't using that doesn't mean that we can't take another level to get engagement. So I think member, associations have to think outside the box of how can they master this technology to make themselves more efficient because you know you, we all know how, how tough it is to schedule 10 people on a phone call a, a zoom call or a conference call to go over an issue why not have a community for them and just post out the homework you go off and do your travel and they're out there just talking away back and forth and two weeks later you look up and you've got all your answers you need and you never had to get them on the phone for a change well you brought up you know what's really cool and i, I first of all i love all of that and i appreciate those examples because they're real world examples one of the things that um, that we do that really nobody else does is uh, is live presence, and it's fun because I go in and I take a look at not the data from the chat logs, but the the usability of it. So we we have like live chat; people can see each other in articles. If I'm on the third paragraph in this article, I can see that five other people are there. You can log in and click this happening now button, and it'll say there's a hundred people online right now or 50 people online and 26 of them are in this article. And you're like, what's the big deal? Let me go see what's going on. So it creates this sense of community within community, right? It's human nature, right? This whole idea of being able to recommend or share something, it's human nature. It's just that associations are better at this community thing than we all are in our communities because we want to you know, throw stones on social media sometimes. But we don't do that in a lot of these private communities. It's, uh, it's really good. Um, and, but the instant connectiveness is something that, uh, we've really had to focus on. We've got live video conferencing rolling out in our platform soon too. And it's this idea of, like you said, let's do more business in the platforms that we're connecting in instead of saying, that's a really good idea. Let me send you a zoom link and let's do this whole shuffle around. And, uh, and so, yeah, this, this instant connection, um, or these fast replies and being able to actually collaborate on a document inside of you know community working groups and things like that it's definitely changing the way people are working well let me tell you how you can change it real quick then i'll throw it back to dave let me share with you an idea that we're running with to to, um change how we do standards in our industry so we were at this last standards meeting that um that provides standards of heat treating for airspace so when what our members do is they commercially heat treat things like landing gears and airplanes so if they're not heat treated properly metal breaks and you don't want your landing gear breaks so the standards are very high and sometimes very cumbersome and, and, and burdensome, but they have, to, they have to have high quality and safety without creating co- unnecessary costs. So those, those discussions can be very conflictual and back and forth. So at this last meeting, 
I was texting to about seven of my members in the room, like questions on a scale of one to 10, how far, how well do you think that standard does that? And they were all punching back and forth and people, what they said about the text is they didn't realize everyone thought a certain way. So what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to create a higher logic form called the uh, standards live. And any member that's in the meeting or any member that's actually at home or work watching is going to be able to log in to the system and get in that group and then just sit there and watch the conversation as we're all posting back and forth live at the meeting. And the members in the meeting will be able to get ideas and thought, thought processes together, as well as people that aren't in the meeting will be able to also comment back in and give people at the meeting other things that they can consider and say. So we're using community technology in a live scenario well, that's going to help us all. And what's cool about that, Tom, is you created this as a result of listening to what was going on in your yes. community as a, as a reaction to, again, like meet your members where they are. And one of the biggest things that I've seen kill communities, quite frankly, and make unsuccessful communities is people come with 60 groups right out of the gate. They're like, we're going to create 60 special interest groups with all these, you know, use tags, use something else. People overly segment their communities right. all the time. So if I'm, if I'm here at all, you trying to create any value for strategy for, for associations that might be listening to this, like over segmentation, we have the most successful communities I've seen launch launched with an all members forum. Yep. And that's it. And that's then they what, grew into other communities. And of course right. you might have your hidden governance groups and things like that, but don't overly segment. And then that, that the open community strategy that I talked about earlier, I, I just love, I love community and Tom, uh, funny story about member fuse. Um, and people probably don't even know this cause it was so short lived over there, but my first year, um, maybe even my second year on the, on the enterprise team, when I was back at Avectra, I sold member fuse. Uh, so this is like a big, like full circle thing for me because, uh, I sold member fuse and then they like killed it. They were like, we're not selling this anymore. And I called Gunnar Knockle and some other people and, uh, they were, you know, cause they weren't happy with how it was working and, and they're like, we want our money back. And I was like, I've been given approval to do that for you. So you could break your contract. So that was short lived over at over there. But yeah, it community is so much fun. And in a sense, I think I'm a walking metaphor for what we do. And I think it's just the most fun I've ever had. Well, the number one thing I had was the word was empowerment, because as, as other members in the in the standards group who felt alone in the moment, they had something to say, but they didn't, they, their personality wouldn't allow them to stand up and say it in a room of 150 people. The moment they saw the text that eight other people felt like them, all of a sudden that person, I, that person told me that later, he says, I felt empowered to stand up and voice my opinion. So that's what a community can do in a live scenario is make your members feel empowered because now they know they're a part of a larger group of people that believe what they believe, they're not alone Whoop. And the people that don't want to lead that conversation need leaders, right? Right. And so someone being able to start that conversation and give them the opening to jump in is is cool. I mean, that's, I know Dave's he's got a question on the edge of his teeth. He wants to ask. I, I'm just trying to navigate the the uh, the YouTube. I'm trying to to get get in, maybe say <laughs> something here and there. Uh, but we also need to wrap this. This is um, already significantly longer than we took to go. So I want to be respectful to Ben and. I I want to be respectful to our listeners that are used to listening to this. But we appreciate the listeners hanging in there because this is good stuff. I have sure. one question that I want to ask that I've been trying to ask for the past 30 minutes, but I'm <laughs> going to, I'm going to ask it now since I have the floor. And then, uh, and then the way we typically do this, Ben is uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up with uh, one takeaway. 
Tom will make his takeaway. Maybe it's a point that that he he got from our conversation that he wants to iterate and emphasize. I'll do the same, and then we'll turn it to you for one last comment and point that you'd like to emphasize from our conversation. Here's my question to you. There's when HireLogic came in in 2008 or so, their job was to educate the market, and um, a lot of innovative technologies like that, where education is a big part of the process, right? And it seems as though if you were to say community to somebody in association space, you don't need to explain to them what it is anymore. You might need to um, explain how they could utilize it, but you don't need to explain what it is anymore. There's a lot of competition in the space. Uh, Tom is using Higher Logic. There's uh, Mobilized, Tradewing, and and Brizio. There's Socius and Vanilla, which are now owned by Higher Logic, and I'm sure there's others I haven't even mentioned. Not to mention, like those are all just the association specific communities, and then there's all these kind of uh, corporate level. Communities. Oh, it's a huge market. Well, that's and Vanilla. That's- Vanilla came out of the commercial market. And right. Logic brought them in because they're big on commercial market now. So right. my question around this, and, and then of course you have the open communities like Facebook and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my question to you is how, uh, if, if you're an association executive with barring like going to every single one of these and getting a demo, where do you even start? Like, how do you know who to pick? Who do you talk to? What are the key differentiators? Like, who's Brizio good for versus a Mobilized versus a Tradewing versus a Higher Logic? I mean, how do you how do you navigate a market like this? Well, first of all, it's so much easier to buy, implement, and switch than an AMS. So I would say, you know, you want to start with. To me, you almost want to work like you do your prenup, right? write your prenup with all these vendors. Like how easy can I get my data and go home if I want to, you know, what's the level of integration? I mean, one of the reasons why some vendors, and I'm not even going to name names, but there's a whole handful of them that had softwares that weren't really that good and did incredibly well in this market because they let out and said, you know, we're going to have an okay software, but we're going to be integrated with these proprietary systems that nobody else is really paying attention to. Um, in this, in this ecosystem that feels big to us because we're in it, but in the big scheme of the technology world, it's not that big. And so they've done incredibly well. And so, you know, you want to check off some of those main boxes. Certainly you can go hire consultants and they'll run a selection process for you. This is incredibly uh, simpler than it is with AMS. Some of its goals, like some people have a goal or a strategy for community and start with those, right? And it's, I want to publish content that's on our website or other places and get people talking about what's happening, or we want to provide a Q&A forum, like putting your requirements together on paper and figuring out like, what are your goals? What are your needs is so much easier than you think it is. If you just start writing a bulleted list in a word document, in a meeting with your colleagues at work, and then go listen a little bit to your members and hear what they're craving and then start to align, you know, some of that functionality I mean, one of the things that we do, I think, better than a lot of our competition is we prep for demos. We prep for meetings. We get to know the associations. What are the use cases that they have? And then we bring logos and advertisers and we, you know, titles and users in. And we're like, we try and tell that story so that they can see themselves in it. Not only is it good, a good sales tag, it's good. It's great tact. It's, you know, there's integrity in the tact that we go about trying to win these customers. But at the same time, um, 
like put the onus on the on the vendors. The problem, I think, is that uh, associations, to a certain extent, the list isn't very big. So they're like, well, all these companies integrate. So let's just go see which one has the best one. I would encourage everyone to at least put a short list together, put a half a page together of, hey, here are things, here's our precon, our our preconceived expectations or notions about community, reinforce those or prove those wrong or like, like talk to us with a little bit of context of our organization and don't just go get generic demos because frankly, they're all not bad, right? They're all good in different ways and some are stronger in other areas. So if I put my consulting hat on for a second, like if you put just a little bit of effort into asking yourself why you're doing this, and if you can't answer it and you still want a community and you're going to be one of those people that says, look, we don't really need or want a strategy, but it's 2021. We just got to give our members a place to talk. Then maybe it's a price driven thing. Right. And I'm not here to tell you that that's right or wrong. Um, as long as, you know, it's really hard to leave an AMS. You spend a year implementing it sometimes. And then you're like, we're stuck for six years. It's not like that with community. If you don't like your vendor, you don't like your platform or whatever you can leave. Um, it's a lot easier. We've all gotten good at writing scripts to convert data from each other's platforms. And it's a lot easier than converting AMS um, information. If I put my Breezio hat back on, I'd sit here and say, we're way more focused on just community and not other software companies that live under our hood. Um, so I would say we're super focused on community. We're a different kind of company because we're small. Um, we're a little bit more white glove than I would say some of the groups that either have funding or just really big. Um, and who knows, like, I hope I have the problem at some point of having 500 staff and, you know, a thousand customers and we'll see how well I manage tickets. And if I can get on the phone every month with every customer, I'm sure that will change, but um, so yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that, that helps answer your question. I would encourage associations to put a little bit of elbow grease into asking themselves what they want out of a community because uh, it's going to help them shop instead of just going and getting the best version of a generic demo that you can get from the vendors. Cause that's going to make it hard for you to make a decision quite frankly. All right. So you, you've got this podcast that you do called the association podcast. You can find that at the association podcast.com. And who, who do you, who are your partners in that? Who, who yeah, are the I other mean, hosts? Yeah. My co-hosts are uh, Joe Post and Jake Tuey from Adage Technologies. Um, I've been really close friends with the CEO, uh, Roy Chomko, over at Adage for many years. And Jake and I ended up working on some deals together. And then we got bored and did a webinar series together uh, early on in the pandemic called Actual Disruption. And we slowly put an end to that because uh, webinars are a ton of work. Um, and the podcast, we were just having all these awesome conversations and we're like, we should have these conversations and not spend hours putting together PowerPoint decks and have right. awesome guests on and have great conversations. And so, yeah, it's a ton of fun with the guys at Adage and, uh, you know, we're, yeah, we're rolling. It's, it's really fun. And, and can, yeah, congratulations to you guys. Cause you guys have a pretty, pretty good cast of folks that you've had on and um, what, what episode you guys are 20, 30 something episodes. You guys started in 2020. The, we just did our 28th one. Yeah. This it's exciting. So congrats yeah. to you guys. This is, this is fun. I listened to it before, uh, before you guys even asked me to join you. And I'm thrilled that I could come here and shoot the breeze with two guys I've looked up to in the market for a really long time. So, all right. Last, uh, last segment here, Tom, what's your key takeaway? So mine is build expectation about what you want from your community and have the right expectations when you get the community. So you don't, you know, if, if you just getting, took that from his last comment. 
It's like you didn't know what you were going to say, so you just heard what he said just now. No, that, like, that, that, the that, engagement that, expectations, though, that, took from a little while ago. That, oh, okay, that, all right. That, that's the number one thing I would tell people, though, because <laughs> a lot of boards invest all this money in a, in a, in a community, and they expect 40 to 50% of their members to be diving in and doing stuff, and they get the 10%, let's say, but Ben just told us that maybe 4%. So if you're at 10, you're actually doing pretty well. So having that perspective of what is successful engagement so make sure you don't have the starbucks expectation you've got the public library expectation and for for me for us we've never tracked any key metrics ours is about lives changed so i look at i look at how many people are, are getting answers to questions they could never ever get unless they were on the community and that's what we, and we see that every single week with our community so we whether it's one person or 10 people that's what we look at so cool. have the right expectation for the whole thing for me, the uh, I, I really liked, I forgot which one of you guys said it, that comment about uh, um, notifications or a trigger. Yeah, Ben, so uh, you commented on and uh, uh, how it's it, to drive engagement, um, notifications, and to generalize that a little bit more, a trigger to get people to do things. And uh, what, what that, well, triggered in my head was uh, this whole concept of profiles, right? And Tom talked about a tactic he used to drive profile development. I, I found that one of the biggest problems associations, a problem associations have with engagement is getting people to fill out their profile, their member profile, mm -hmm. right? Not in the community, or, or but more like their general member profile yeah, totally. on their site, right? And so they're constantly sending out these emails one of the, and this is a little bit of a shameless plug here, but it has exactly to do with my key. I think this is probably why this was such a key takeaway. One of the things we do in, with, with PropFuel is we'll send out these questions with profile questions right into the email. And then when people answer that question, we write it back into their profile. So it's like these little bites that e make it super easy to trigger people to answer one question. Just give us this piece of information. And before you know it, their profiles are filled up. It's awesome. And so I what love I love that, about that, Dave, is you're not yeah. making them manage. You're not, you're still having them manage their profile in the AMS, but you're adding to it by from your tool. Yeah, but they don't have to go into the, all they're doing is answering questions. No, that's my point. You're that's capturing it there. You're yeah. getting the answer and updating the profile, but you're not saying here, come to PropFuel to manage your profile now. Yeah, like, no, no, give us a little and, information and, and we'll fill in the profile. It's genius. It's and I think the way that relates to communities is there's certain questions or certain triggers that drive people into, or notifications to, to, to use your word, that drive people into the community. And that's what drives engagement is something saying, it's a little tap on the shoulder, you know, because mm -hmm. we can't expect people just to walk in and order a double latte. I don't even right. know what a double latte is. Is that a thing? I feel like yeah. it is. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. Well, it makes total sense why last week I got a check-in from Dave going, what's your zip code? <laughs> that was a, that was a different thing. That was a different thing. So, so Ben tap on the shoulder. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's a different thing. So the, Ben, what is, um, uh, what was your key takeaway from the conversation today? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I really loved that we talked about was just this inherent, like, it's a little bit like what you're, you're talking about, but to take it a step further, Steve, uh, um, Tom told the anecdotal story about how somebody was looking for something or asked a question and then everybody else really wanted to talk about this too, but someone had to do it. 
And then when you tie that with notifications, like everybody got the email and may have, right. maybe they haven't logged in in months. Right. Yeah. And they right. all got the email that someone asked that question and they're right. like, Ooh, I'm going to click on it this time. Cause I want to put my two cents in on that too. And so it's not a mob mentality. It's not a herd mentality. It's that we lower the barrier of entry for people to step up as leaders and the better opportunity that we, the better our technology and the easier our technology to do that, the friction points go away and we allow leaders uh, and they don't have to be community leaders and community and they don't have to be activists, but they can lead a conversation that leads to change or a discussion. And so we're creating these micro leaders within our communities by just giving them the opportunity to do it in a safe place and not on a Facebook page where maybe there's members in there and maybe there's not. And, you know, it's the Wild West. And, and then the association all the while owns the data like you're investing membership dues into an organization. Don't you want to continue to give them assets, especially when it costs you nothing to do that? Yes, let's give them the traffic. Let's give them the data. Let's give them the insights. And let's let them use tools to analyze that to maybe bring me more, more member value along the way. So um, the idea of listening and make that, making that easier are just things that, that I love. And, and I kind of love the anecdotal stories around that. Well, in that listening, Ben, one thing that this is like a huge takeaway, I think at the end of the tunnel to kind of bring it to wraps is you need to understand the daily work habits and schedules of your members. If you're dealing with executives that are on the plant floor from nine to five and they get in at eight 45, they're not going to look at their community hardly ever because they're busy all day, but they might bypass, look at their phone if it's mobile app friendly and mm -hmm. make a comment of something that's of interest. But you also have to understand your, the types of members you have because many people, they're working from 830 to 5. They're not going to be on the community very much. So, mm -hmm. so you know, it's, it's, it's understanding that as well. All that right. drives a lot of engagement. Ben Muscolino, ben at brezio.com. Is that right? Did I get that yeah. right, Ben? Perfect. Ben at brezio.com, B-R-E-E-Z-I-O.com. Yes, Thank you, man. Really appreciate you coming in and, and chewing the fat with us today. Dave, uh, so much fun again. What I remember, yeah. last comment, Ben's favorite line, hashtag get after it. Get after it. Let's go get after it. Thank you guys so much for having me today. I appreciate it. We hope you gained some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already, and don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.